Hello everyone! July 22nd, 2018. You know what that means. It means episode 15 of How's That Day? A Culture Rundown with Tom and Phil. I'm Phil, and I'm here to introduce you to Tom. There he is over there, Tom. Yo. What up? Each week, Tom and I get together to chat about how our days have been going, and together we work through our thoughts on what's going on in pop culture. I'll start this week out with the same question I ask him every week or week and a half-ish these days. Tom, how's that day? I'm sick. Ugh, don't blow that shit on the microphone. Yeah, I got sick. It sucks. What you got? Um, I had a flu. Had the fever. Had it all. Did you sweat it out? I think so. I mean, I'm still congested. I hope I don't sound too bad, but uh, it's an annoying couple of days. Um, had to take a couple of days off of work. You sound okay to me. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I lost a couple of days of work. My uh, germaphobe boss saw me Wednesday morning and said, go home. So I went home. And then my foot, you know, I have the arthritis and the foot thing, and that's an autoimmune disease. So I'm assuming since my system was weakened because I was sick, now my foot's acting up and I can't walk. So that's it's just been fun. Been a fun few days. So do you like have like a cane that you just always have with you? Do you like what does that mean when you say you can't walk? Yeah, I have a cane that I usually just keep in my car in the passenger seat. <laughs> and uh it's my best friend. Do you have a handicap? Do you have a handicap? No, I, I could probably get one, but I I don't have one. Yeah, work those legs. Work walk a little further. Yeah, I tried going on a walk today cuz actually walking on it when it's all fucked up helps it helps the uh, arthritis thing it just like loosens the joints a little bit but wasn't happening i got out ah. to my garage walking down and i was like nope <laughs> went and got my car keys instead so yeah dealing with that that's fun i'm sorry uh, buddy it's okay um besides that things are good uh the usual phil how are you how's that day uh yeah same as usual same as last week last we talked uh, you know a lot of movie stuff uh i cut together a teaser trailer of some footage we've been doing we had a big movie meeting last night with a lot of people we want to be on the crew uh that's really been uh, taking over my life uh over the past you know couple weeks besides work stuff and i went to the movies today i squeezed in a movie so i'll throw that out during recommendations yeah but you did yeah, I did. And I saw yeah, a movie just, last night too. Yeah, you did. I know what it is, but we'll talk about that later, maybe. No, I'll uh, tell you yeah. now, it's skyscraper. <laughs> How was it? Uh you know, it was skyscraper. It I'm was. surprised it's not doing well, honestly. I yeah, thought it too. would be a bigger hit. I thought The Rock was a bigger draw on his own. Is I mean, anyone really a draw? I can't believe that Jumanji though. Like, is that really a property? Wait, that's say a big that draw? again. I can't believe I don't think that like anybody's a draw really anymore. At the end but of the what day. Like, what movie were you just talking about? Jumanji. Jumanji? Jumanji? Jumanji. Whatever. Who says Jumanji? Holy shit. Hold on. We got to stop everything. This is our episode. You say yeah, let's, Jumanji? Let's... No, I say Jumanji. I, I haven't said it in a while. Let's let's move on. We don't need to talk about it. It's just... <laughs> okay, sorry. Jumanji was you... really good, though. Yeah, so was Jumanji, the sequel. It was really fun. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, it was really good, and I think like it came out the right time of the year or something. Was it him and Kevin Hart like that mix as well? Like maybe that was part. And well, they had that Jack film. Black. Yeah, Jack Black's still a draw because Goosebumps was a hit. He has Goosebumps two coming out, and the House with a Clock in Its Walls, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, um, The Rock and Kevin Hart also had that movie Central Intelligence, which was a pretty big hit. Um, yeah, I think it definitely overperformed. So yeah, Jumanji had all of that going for him. The Rock. I mean, I think. I think they just didn't capture the tone right for Skyscraper. You know, they took it probably a little too seriously. 
the trailers didn't capture it correctly? They, and the movie, <laughs> both. Oh, okay, okay. You know, the whole thing was taken a little too seriously. But, yeah, it's it's literally just Die Hard. It's Die it's Hard. Di- it's Die Hard, yeah, yeah. with a... With a amputee, yeah, the the oh my god, the amputated leg, the fake leg he has is the best part of that movie. He <laughs> utilizes that leg so much; it's amazing. You're I making mean, me want to see it. I wanted a spinoff with just the leg. We Sarah yeah. and I were calling it Eggy the Leggy because it was like his best friend in the whole movie. I mean, he <laughs> there's one fight where he he loses it in a fight and he's like hopping around like a bunny and it's really inappropriate to laugh at that i apologize but it was funny in an action scene but he also uses it to like hang off the side of a building he uses it to pry a door open he uses that like a lot in that movie that, that was definitely the highlight of skyscraper for me but yeah this is the most i've wanted to see it as you describing yeah the leg i mean action. honestly you could wait to see someone will make a youtube video of the rock in his leg in skyscraper and it'll be the best you know 10 minute youtube video on the internet so that it had a handicap action movie good for him yeah no it uh and i was saying this to sarah i saw it with sarah and afterwards i was saying that she was like the leg stuff got a little ridiculous but honestly i think it was the only way the movie differentiated itself from other big budget action movies like i'm always going to remember skyscraper as the leg movie yeah, yeah, that's Die Hard with a leg. Die Hard with a fake leg. and uh, yeah. But The Rock, I, I don't know, man. I'm a huge Rock fan. This is maybe another topic, but, you know, obviously we've seen in big budget action movies, especially these summer blockbusters, how much they're relying on Chinese storytelling. Um, and, you know, like Pacific Rim 2, a lot of it took place in Asia. This movie, the entire thing takes place in Hong Kong, I believe. In the Nagasaki building? The Nagasaki, yeah. Yeah, the the literal, the original one, not the one in Los Angeles. But they, I mean, they literally, the whole thing takes place in Hong Kong. And there are several scenes of... I didn't know that. ...of Mandarin dialogue with English subtitles. Just straight up, like, minutes of that. And, I mean, I know Skyscraper kind of bombed over here, but I've heard it's done pretty well overseas. And it's just indicative of this growing trend to rely on the Chinese market in these big summer temple movies, you know, to make their money back overseas. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, I remember total recall, like reshot scenes or restructure their script around the Tokyo audience when they were making that it's become a big part of how movies are made and marketed these days. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. So I guess, you know, the other thing you asked how I was doing Oh, I did, and yeah, you did. And one thing that has happened to me this week is I I don't know if I, I think I've alluded to it to you in private conversation, but I, after a gluttony of political news happened several weeks back, maybe a month or two ago, was just like, had my fill of it. I was done. I was like, this is just too much bad shit every day. I kind of just, my brain was, I was had too much going on and I couldn't take it anymore. So I shut down that. Fill out his fill. Yeah, I, I just was full up on politics and everything and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I... Stop paying as much attention, tuned out, stopped watching the news, stopped listening to political podcasts, just kind of turned it off for a little while. I just went to a little private world of movies and nerd stuff and my own private movie and music. I just like went to a different world and I escaped from that. But what's, I guess, been happening in recent weeks is a number of things have happened that have kind of, you know, like like Al fucking Pacino in Godfather 3, you know, just when I thought I was out, it fucking pulled me back in. That's what today's episode is going to be about, is all this political and, 
I, I guess I would describe it all as political news that's been happening or incidents that have political overtones. Say yeah, you, I don't know. Sure. The the uh, intersection of uh, the awful political landscape we're in and how it's affecting the entertainment industry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So I have just recently, in the past couple of days, slowly been opening that door back into politics and starting to listen to a little bit more of podcasts about it and starting to read the news again. So I'm kind of getting back in the mood for it. And it just seemed unavoidable. We were going to do a whole other topic this week that was lighthearted and fun and not really about anything serious, but it just felt wrong, I guess, in light of everything that was going on these days to avoid talking about some of it. So we just wanted to address it. Yeah. And the, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah, we did. Yeah. We're going to be, it's going to be a really fucking deep discussion too. If you can't tell. Yeah. 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 All right. So first up, the biggest news in entertainment right now, James Gunn is fired from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, do you want to set this up? Do you want to summarize what's going on in the news? Sure. Um, I've, been ch- I've been talking. So James Gunn wrote and directed the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, he also started off as a genre filmmaker working for Troma, which I think is important to note. Yes. Did a horror film called Slither, all this stuff. So he's been around for a while. Um, and Troma is a schlock movie company, for those of you that don't know. They specialize in gore and silly exploitation gore, movies. Gore, sex, gross-out exploitation yeah, movies. Every yeah. movie is going to have nudity and gross-out gore, and they're silly plots with low production budget. That's, that's what Troma movies are. Yes, Lloyd Kaufman's baby. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a big thing that James Gunn, who made Tromeo and Juliet for this company, kind of... found his way into the mainstream, right? So anyway, um, this asshat named Mike Cernovich, who's this alt-right Pizzagate conspiracy theorist monster on Twitter, basically, found these old tweets James Gunn had sent, I think ranging from like 2008 to 2011-ish, probably, and found all these jokes James Gunn had made on Twitter that are, to be fair, gross. Um... Yeah, a lot of baby rape, pedophilia jokes, stuff like that, and called him out and basically said, "Disney is this the type of guy you want working for you?" And Disney decided, "No, we don't," and they fired James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy three. James Gunn has since come out and said, "Look, I know those jokes were inappropriate. That's not the man I am now. I've changed. I've talked about this before." Uh, but so far, Disney has fired him, and and there's a lot of back and forth over people thinking it's just people thinking it's unjust and i see that ew.com has a fifty thousand signed petition for disney to rehire james gunn yeah so that's the background um there's a lot of nuance to this story in my opinion now for one thing i think the biggest thing to point out is before he was hired or right after he was hired for the first guardians of the galaxy film i believe in either 2012 or 2013 James Gunn had an interview and an entire published piece where he talked about these previous jokes and his trauma past and how he was a shock filmmaker and a provocateur and he's trying to move past that and he apologized for offending everybody. Marvel obviously took him at his word, hired him, and he's been you know nothing but professional as far as we can tell ever since. So it's not like this is some buried skeleton that we're just finding out about. This has been addressed and dealt with before, right? Right. The other thing is, 
The company that decided to fire him is Disney, who, as we all know, recently fired Roseanne. Uh, Disney owns ABC, which aired the revival of Roseanne, and they fired Roseanne after these awful tweets that she made about Valerie Jarrett and Planet of the Apes and all that shit. So initially, they also have John Lasseter to deal with. As yes, well. exactly. Well, that's that's where there are so many factors going into the story. So when you think of that and say, okay, they fired Roseanne. I guess they're just playing fair, right? But the thing is, they're not, because Roseanne had all these tweets in her past that were straight-up racist shit and awful tweets as well, and they decided to go ahead and approve a reboot of her show. It wasn't until she made a current comment that was not intended for humor, at least in terms of how most people took it. That They they gave her another chance. They gave her a second chance, right? And she blew it. And James Gunn, he hasn't said anything recently in terms of this off-color humor. This is all stuff from years and years ago. And he had just turned in the script. I, I know this because I follow him on Instagram. That he, I know that he was just turned in the script for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They were planning on working on him with him up until literally uh, probably a week ago. They, he was very much in their good graces. Yes. And the another th- factor to consider is the guy who spearheaded this campaign to get Gunn fired. Mike Cernovich, who I talked about, he was literally uh, accused of rape. He has published articles uh, explaining the best way to murder somebody and how to get away with it. He's published pieces saying that date rape doesn't exist. It can't be possible. There's no such thing. Uh, He believes in the Pizzagate conspiracy, which led to a guy brandishing a gun to this D.C. area pizza place. He's an avowed white nationalist and alt-right member and disney is taking his complaints in good faith as if he was actually offended by any of this shit which he isn't it's just a smear campaign because james gunn like many celebrities is very vocal in his distaste of president trump right so this happens to james gunn he gets fired immediately they go after two other well-known comics who are very public in their dislike of president trump michael ian black and Patton oswalt the Patton Oswalt thing is hilarious because there are a series of tweets from, I think, 2013, which Patton Oswalt literally wrote to demonstrate how tweets can be taken out of context. There was a whole yeah. article published in, I, I forget exactly where, some publication about what Patton Oswalt was trying to attempt here. And th- basically the idea was he would send two tweets in concurrent order, but he wouldn't thread them. So they looked in, as individual tweets, and one said... How disgusting is it that people think saying all lives matter is the same as black lives matter? That's like me saying, and then the next tweet would say, that are all, all NAMBLA people should be able to fuck kids whenever they want. You know what I mean? And people would take that NAMBLA tweet after this James Gunn firing and say, see, another Hollywood pro-pedophile. It's just, it's ridiculous. And Michael Ian Black has a bunch of admittedly gross baby rape jokes again from years and years ago. He's very vocal, especially against the NRA. He's probably the biggest Hollywood celebrity spearheading this NRA is a terrorist organization mantra, which is gaining a lot of steam. He's he's conversed directly with Dana Loesch, uh, who's you know the de facto spokesman woman for the NRA. So these alt right trolls are going after these comedians for jokes they've made years ago, and just trying to ruin their livelihood over that, right? Right. And it's just. <sighs> It's such a weird, dark place that we're in right now. Yeah, it is. Where people are so willingly 
gleefully trying to get other people fired from jobs that have nothing to do with tweets that they make. I mean, I get that jokes are gross, that those jokes are disgusting. And if Disney hired Michael Ian Black to do a, a kid's ABC show right now, and then he started making those jokes on Twitter, he should have to account for that, in my opinion. Yeah. But these are things that were made years and years ago that have been dealt with that are not secret. It's not like some skeleton that they've tried to bury that has come to light. You know, these are all things in the past that have been dealt with and people moved on from. And to just bring up all of the shit in the public light now, it's just so disingenuous coming from these alt-right people who just hate anything about uh, the idea that any free speech mantra, whatever you're willing to say, should be censored. They don't believe that shit. Like, they don't believe the things they're pretending to be mad about with these comedians. And that's what I think is most upsetting of all is how damaging people like this who act in such ill faith, how seriously they can be taken by major companies like Disney. I guess my question is, I have a few questions. One, it seems like Guardians of the Galaxy is too big for them just to not to continue making those movies anymore. You know, so it seems like they're going to have to, at some point, make a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I wonder... If they're going to give him to pressures to rehire him, I, that'd be I, I'd be a little surprised if they did, but it'd be an interesting turnaround if they did. The I wonder if they're just going to do what they did with Edgar Wright and kind of take his story and his script and give him a screenplay credit because I know that he you know had already turned in a script, and so I wonder what they're going to do with that because they said they're not going to make a volume three as of right now, but I have a hard time believing that's true, and I also wonder what the cast's reaction to this is. Because it's not just like a property that... It's one thing if like Ryan Johnson does something and the cast of Star Wars is upset. Because Ryan Johnson, at the end of the day, was just hired to come in and he's part of a larger machine. And you can say that about James Gunn, but as, in terms of Guardians of the Galaxy in particular as a property, he is especially responsible for creating that. That was a nothing property that no one had heard of before those movies came out. Those were sold off of Marvel's name, off of Chris Pratt's growing celebrity and a fun advertising campaign with, you know, fun pop songs that people were in a, in a good release date. And that movie popped at the right time. And it was solely based off of the voice of James Gunn and his direction and the color and splash. And he, if you could argue, completely altered the direction of the Marvel movies by demonstrating yeah. that they they could do those types of movies and that they could vary the style that strongly and the audiences would not only go with it, but they would be overjoyed to go with it. That would be like one of their bigger hits. So I know that the cast has to especially feel loyal to him because he's the one who, you know, he birthed that baby. He's the one who brought him, brought him to dinner, you know? Well, I know from what I've seen publicly, obviously James Gunn's brother has come to his defense on Twitter. I've also sure. the main Guardians cast. I know Dave Bautista said something. I don't have the exact tweet here, but I read it the other night, and it basically said to the effect of, you know, I'll have more to say later, but James Gunn is the nicest guy I've ever worked with. He's nothing but good in this world, and I'm very not okay with what's happening to him, and I'll have more thoughts later. Implying that, you know, he's not just going to go with this. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if... It's ultimately going to come down to Chris Pratt, I think. You know what he decides to do. Um, I, ju- I just see this. Dave Bautista rips James Gunn's firing as a, quote, cyber Nazi attack that succeeded. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> it's that That is what happened. Um, it's these alt-right people who 
waged war against him because he was outspoken against this administration and they won. They were they succeeded in what they tried to do. Dave Bautista is a really smart guy. I wouldn't I would be I would not be surprised if he refuses to participate in a new one. I honestly my gut feeling right now, I don't have any knowledge or reason to believe this other than it's just a hunch. I think Gunn's gonna get rehired. I think Disney's gonna come out and explain that they maybe made a, a rash decision and looked at all the factors. I think the fact that James Gunn publicly talked about these jokes before the first movie and acknowledged them that they weren't the type of person he is now and he wants to move on from it, I think that's going to end up making a huge difference. I mean, I'm sure they knew that already, but now that that story's, you know, getting more traction of like, look, this is not something new. He's addressed this, you know, he's moved on from this stuff. Um, I think that'll make a difference, but who knows? Yeah, so... so- What's so the argument outside of the is it just Disney protecting their ass? You think do they really think that? Yeah, it's Disney protecting their ass because outside of that, because I'm very curious about it's we've been talking about all these guys and all these different accusations that have been coming forward against these men and how how the accusations vary and there's a range of accusations there's a whole he was inappropriate and said mean things to me at dinner and then there's the kevin spacey slash harvey weinstein's of the world who are molesting children and raping women and there's this whole scale of what we're going to accept and in this me too era movement it's curious to look at a case-by-case basis and see what the argument is for that one and that's kind of what i wanted to use the James Gunn thing to kind of jump around to several different incidents that have happened recently. Uh, One of them that fascinated me, even though I have no skin in the game of Chris Hardwick's career, but Chris Hardwick's firing recently based on stuff that he had done in his past. What uh, he lost everything in within like 12 hours for accusations that were made against him. And I don't particularly care about Chris Hardwick, but for me, I read that situation and that was a toughie for me. I was like, I guess I can see why you want to protect yourself, but at the same time, he didn't do anything illegal. And same with James Gunn. It's like he didn't he was a you're punishing a comedian for telling inappropriate jokes. And that seems obviously there's going to be a lot of it'd be like, I don't know, the Catholic Church firing a priest for, you know, not praying enough or something like that. You know, it's like you guys. I mean, the Catholic Church <laughs> won't even fire priests for molesting boys. So exactly. It's like, it's like, come on, guys, you, you have enough problems here. This seems like a, a strange firing to us, you, you know, so. Before we get to those specifics, I do want to talk about Hardwick and uh, some other examples. But specifically what fascinates me about the James Gunn story is that it is Disney. And I wonder if they feel like they've just set a precedent with the Roseanne firing that they now have to be uh, super strict about these things, even though, again, it's not something new that James Gunn said. These tweets were almost a decade old. Exactly. And they the, on the same day, so he got fired the morning uh, of a Comic-Con appearance he was supposed to make, right? right? And that same day, Johnny Depp, a Disney employee through Pirates of the Caribbean, who has been accused of physically abusing Amber Heard, not just making pedophilia jokes, but actually putting hands on a woman makes a surprise appearance at a Comic-Con panel. Well, and I've heard also recent stories about him being abusive on sets. Yeah. And just just generally, I've heard from multiple places over the last year or two that Johnny Depp is a piece of shit. Yet they still employ him. And yeah. uh, Phil sent me, We I, I didn't get a chance to read it, unfortunately, but this great article, um, according to I was going to bring it up. Pixar sex, Pixar sexist boys club, yeah, right. And John Lasseter, it, it basically they let John Lasseter 
make his own terms about when he wanted to leave the company. So Disney itself, uh, just as a specific example of what's going on in Hollywood right now, doesn't seem to understand their own precedent or have any baseline value of what they will and won't allow um, to continue to employ Johnny Depp, despite all these allegations that a woman has made and now several people have made. And then to immediately fire on the same day that this, these recycled tweets come out to immediately fire James Gunn just seems, I don't know if the word hypocritical is correct, but it definitely seems just out of whack where their standards lie right now. And I think it's just an example of this entire shakeup that's going on, um, not only in Hollywood, but all over the country, the weaponization of social media, the Me Too movement, you combine all of these things, this alt-right faction that's very good at what they're trying to do. And I think people are just scared and acting rashly and no one, no one knows what the fuck's going on anymore. It's just an insane time we're living in. I guess. I wonder what kind of legal action he can take, if any. I don't think it would necessarily be worth it for him with his career. Well, he came out and he made a public statement and said, uh, you know, he made an initial, you know, tweet thread explaining the context of the jokes and that he's tried to move on. And then after he got fired, he released a statement, I think maybe through his publicist saying that he accepts responsibility for the jokes he made and he's sorry he made them and he doesn't believe them anymore. And even though he's sad about what happens, he accepts full responsibility, basically saying if this is what Disney wants to do then, you know, they have the power to do it. I'm not going to fight him, but just keep sending those residuals. Yeah. I think, and I think that's smart for him. Uh, maybe he's going to get hired somewhere else really quickly. Well, he's going to work. I mean, there's enough outrage that he's not blacklisted from Hollywood. He may have been fired from this job, but it's definitely not, it's not a Kevin Spacey thing and nor should it be. These are two completely different issues. Um, and honestly, I do think the fact that it's this, alt-right faction that brought these tweets to light and is now trying it's hard to call it a smear campaign because these are things that these people said you know so they're not like defaming their character necessarily it's not that um as much as i dislike these alt-right trolls i can't i can't say that that's what they're doing because it's not but to try to weaponize social media and liberal outrage in this way from alt-right very unliberal people is uh, a weird precedent that's been set now with James Gunn's firing. So Chris Hardwick, a few weeks ago, or in June, I guess, an open letter uh, came out from this, I guess, cosplay celebrity. I don't know anything about cosplay, so I've never heard of this person. And Chris Hardwick, for those of you who don't know, was kind of the, the whatever you want to call him, the, nerd the Ryan C- the the Ryan Seacrest of nerd culture, I guess. He yeah. kind of just ho- he hosted a lot of nerd culture things like Talking Dead, and he had podcasts that interviewed He founded Nerdist Industries. Yeah, he founded Nerdist, which has just you know, one of the bigger movie news websites and uh, things like that. He's been involved with the industry for a long time. I remember him being the host of Singled Out Hell yeah, with me Jenny too. McCarthy as a kid. So he, he's been around for a long time. And so Chloe Dykstra, I, I believe, or Dykstra, I'm I not sure how it's pronounced. Yeah, Chloe Dykstra wrote a open letter online that was basically all about her ex-boyfriend. She never names him by name, which I always thought was an interesting part of this story. But she never names him by name and talks at length about the emotional abuse that she took from him for years. And the article details how within a couple weeks of their dating, he was already controlling what friends she was allowed to have, what where she was allowed to go, what she was allowed to wear, who she was allowed to talk to. He was very controlling and very apparently manipulative. 
of her and I, you know, I, I don't remember every single detail or that she said. It, there was a long list of things in their relationship of ways that he had emotionally kind of abused her over the years. And I read the article and I found it very a very conflicting article to read because you know you, your heart goes out to her and how all that. But there's a lot of just details to the story that kind of I was like, sure, this is all very interesting. And within hours of me reading it after it had just come out. Chris Hardwick's career was over. He had lost multiple shows. He had been removed from the masthead at Nerdist. He had been he had was supposed to have some Comic-Con speech speaking engagement as well or something like that and that got canceled that day. He just got yanked and he never even had a chance to respond before everything was taken away. Yeah. And like I said, he's not even officially technically named in this letter and everything was taken away. And I just kind of was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on." You know, I don't want to defend Chris Hardwick. I don't give two fucks about Chris Hardwick. I don't know, you know, that I care that much that his career was taken away from him. That doesn't affect my life. But I also thought the Swift just without even questioning, there wasn't even a hes- a moment's hesitation for everyone to just be like, "Oh, you're done. You're out of here." And I was like, "Whoa." I mean, obviously it's a different situation than what James Gunn is in. But it's amazing how like every individual is being treated on such a different basis and kind of the context around it is so unique for each one. And you kind of have a different reaction. So I've talked to a bunch of different people who have a bunch of different reactions. Uh, I uh, my my biggest torment on it is probably from a guy's perspective. And I feel really kind of guilty about it because I'm reading it and I'm starting to question. I, I don't want to blame the victim, but I find myself starting to do that and I kind of resent myself for doing that and I'm questioning why I'm doing that and I'm trying to fight that stuff but I guess I want to be honest about where my conflict is and because I start reading it and I start asking myself like well you know he didn't at no point in this letter does it sound like he locked you up or chained you down or abused you physically or anything like that and I start to wonder like especially if this type of abuse started within a couple weeks of your relationship I start to wonder like well at what point do we start asking questions about culpability and where your role in this lies and I obviously I understand that she's the victim here and that a lot of women have a lot of psychological abuse that leads to these types of relationships. And I don't want to blame her and say this is all her fault for letting him do this to her. But there is some of that, like there is some level there that I want to question that at without being awful. And I, I feel like it's hard to question anything about it without coming off like a douchebag to a lot of people, but it's really hard to have that conversation now. So I guess I don't know how you feel. How That's you why we have the about podcast, that. Phil. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to throw it. that out to you to like be like, I've had conflict about that, even though I feel like a lot of people would look at that conflict and be like, no, you're victim blaming. That's shitty of you. Stop it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But there is, I still have questions. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and I think I, that's perfectly legitimate to have questions. I, I Let me preface this really quick before I get into yeah. my thoughts on Hardwick. So another example that's similar to, most similar to the Hardwick story, in my opinion, is the Aziz Ansari story that happened last year. Yeah, exactly. And I remember I when I still had Facebook, I went on there and just like wrote an open post where I basically said, you know, I'm reading this Aziz Ansari story from the woman's point of view about what happened that night. And yes, Aziz sounds like he is kind of a douchebag. That's 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 what I took away from that article. Maybe even a little worse. What I'm not seeing is that she was a victim of assault because maybe he persuaded her and, you know, was was trying to manipulate her and all these awful things, which he should be, I don't want to say judge for, but, you know, you should, 
If you're a person doing that, you should really take a look in the mirror and say, why am I doing that? And you need to be better. No doubt. What I was basically asking on the Facebook post was, so are we supposed to treat Aziz Ansari the same way we have been treating Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and Louis C.K., who basically violated women or young men? Actually, physically, yes. in some way, assaulted someone. Yeah. Um, so the Facebook post didn't get a lot of traction, but I got several private messages from several women, not guys, yeah. who were like, I agree exactly with what you're saying. I didn't want to comment on it. Because I don't want to be considered a victim blamer. And that kind of broke my heart because it wasn't other guys saying like, yeah, bro, Aziz did nothing wrong. I do that shit all the time. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was other women saying like, yeah, I read that story too. And I kind of thought, well, where was your agency in this lady? You know, like, why didn't you try to take a stand or something? And it's hard to then say something like that without saying like, well, you don't understand the risk women take. And yes, that is valid. That is a valid point. I don't understand the fear a woman may have uh, encountering a man she doesn't really know that well, you know, alone in a situation and how scary that could be, you know, or how something like that could escalate very quickly to true like physical assault or rape, you know, that's not something most guys have to deal with. So I understand that these issues are not so black and white. Now, that being said, when I read the Chris Hardwick article, or the, the post that Chloe wrote on Medium, my my takeaway from that is like, wow, he sounds like a fucking awful boyfriend. And yeah, I'm, that's what I'm, I took. I'm away glad you eventually yeah. got out of that situation. And that was kind of the end of it. Like, wow, this guy sounds like a terrible boyfriend. The idea of, you know, two weeks into your relationship, you can't see your friends. You have to make your nights available only for me when I need you. If I come home, I want to fuck, you know, those, yeah. those sound like that sounds like shit of a very bad person who you shouldn't be dating. Who has clearly some emotional issues that he needs to deal with himself. Right. But, but so none then, of this is illegal. None yeah. of the, well, not only that. So then the, the one that blew my mind was Nerdist coming out that same day and saying, we've removed him from the masthead. Any indication that Chris Hardwick founded this company is now deleted. It's like, well, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a bad boyfriend. You can't erase history. He, he founded your company that you can't, Pretend that shit didn't happen because you didn't like what kind of a boyfriend he was to this woman. You know, there's probably the the other issue is with these celebrities. I'm sure there are a lot of closed door conversations. Maybe a lot of people knew for years that Chris Hardwick was a dick or a womanizer. Right. And they're right. just so ready, like any opportunity to get this public renunciation of them. They're going to jump on and say, OK, finally, we can do everything we want to do. Fuck Chris Hardwick. Fuck Chris Hardwick. And maybe that's true. I don't know. But then days after he loses everything. He comes out and releases a bunch of text messages between them where he goes off on these really heartfelt rants where he's like, look, you cheated on me and you broke my heart. And I know I've been an asshole, but so have you. And Chloe is on text message responding to these saying like, baby, take me back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean any of it. Not to say that one is lying and the other isn't just to say that okay, yeah, there are two sides to these types of stories, especially when you deal with personal relationships. And I'm going to come off maybe as a bit of an asshole here. But this, all of this reminds me of the Tiger Woods fiasco back in 2009 when his then-wife uh, attacked his car with a golf club. He got a DUI, and then it, we found out that he was cheating on her just constantly with all these women, right? Like he had text right. messages of dozens of women that he's fucked all around the world. It's Tiger Woods. 
And my initial thought was like, yeah, that's Tiger Woods. I don't fucking care if he's cheating on his wife. Why do I care if he's cheating on his wife? Is he yeah. is he abusing his wife? Is he hitting his wife? That's a problem. You're a criminal and you should go to jail for that. A marital issue is none of my fucking business. That's why I think gay people have the right to be married. That's why I think if someone cheats on someone and they're both strangers to me, I don't give a shit. You guys are strangers. What happens in the bedroom is none of my concern. And to move so fast from Harvey Weinstein as a serial raper, Kevin Spacey raped a 14-year-old boy, Louis C.K. masturbated without these women's permission in front of their faces, to I had a bad date with Aziz Ansari, Chris Hardwick was an asshole boyfriend, and to conflate all of these to now we're getting James Gunn wrote offensive tweets he apologized for a decade ago and he's fired. It's just things are moving. It's such a crazy speed where I feel like the idea of a conversation or trying to truly understand what this is about and trying to understand human behavior in such a way of maybe using these stories as examples of why what Chris Hardwick was doing was wrong and why he needs to be better and giving him a chance to explain that instead of just literally erasing him from the Nerdist masthead as if to say this problem doesn't exist anymore. I feel like it's not productive at all. And it's, uh, it's just an example of like this warp speed of dangerous outrage culture precedent that's being set that it's it's really hard to make heads or tails of it. Yeah. And exactly and like I said, I don't give a fuck about Chris Hardwick, you know? Like this is not some passionate fans defense like he could not do anything wrong. Like I assume he probably is a shitty boyfriend. It just seems like that's not enough of a reason to justify what happened to his career or anything. I definitely think it's worth investigation and worth talking about. And if it did happen, I'd love for Chris Hardwick to address that, you know, and I think he should be given a chance to do that as well as her to have her opportunity to speak her role in the relationship. And I think any opportunity for people to learn from that is great, but I don't know that like it's worthy of, you know, erasing his entire history and pop entertainment over the last decade and a half or whatever it's been. And well, the, the thing is too, maybe that story leads to information where we can say, yeah, he should probably be blacklisted. You know, this is a garbage human being. But it can't just be from that article, in my opinion. Like, if I were to read that article, I would go to Chloe if I knew her or if someone did and say, you know, is, is this something that should be opened up? Did he do something to you that maybe the authorities should be made aware of, right? Like, these are all very bad behavioral patterns that could lead to something even more serious. And let's find out if that happened. It feels like she should be telling her therapist this, not a newspaper. Well, (laughs) I mean, not, I mean, not that her story shouldn't come out. I don't want to like say that, that her story is not valid or that people shouldn't know that he did these things. It just doesn't feel, it feels like, I don't know. Like you said, maybe like, maybe for, it's a small thing as, it's their private life, and at the end of the day, I try to not care about that stuff when it comes to people as much as I can until it overwhelms something, you know, like the Bill Cosbys or whatever. For some people, the Kanye's of the world or the Axl Roses in the 90s, you know, whatever it is that people are just like, fuck that guy, he's a jerk. Well, it does go back into the idea of if you did horrible shit like this before the Me Too movement started, you've kind of been grandfathered in to acceptance. Um, yeah. But again, that trend has kind of dissipated with what just happened to James Gunn. So who knows? But it is a weird double standard of, you know, talking about these celebrities who are complete womanizers or maybe awful husbands or boyfriends. But it happened before people cared enough to be mad about it. 
and they're still allowed to work freely and walk around the cabin like things are fine. Uh, it's just a weird, yeah, it's just a weird, there's so many weird things going on in this country right now. This hypersensitivity, well, of- this uh, overt racism and white supremacy we're seeing from the highest levels of government. It's just a weird combination of both extremes of the left and right that is gross. I'll leave it. At yeah, that. I agree. It's almost, uh, I, I was thinking about what you said about how women messaged you and told you privately that they were afraid to say something. It got me thinking, We, I mentioned that I wanted to bring this up as well, but Henry Cavill's comments, the man of steel himself was speaking to uh, CQ, GQ Australia and he said, stuff has to change. Absolutely. There's something wonderful, but before adding, there's something wonderful about a man chasing a woman. I think a woman should be wooed and chased, but maybe I'm old fashioned for thinking that. It's very difficult to do that if there are certain rules in place, because then it's like, well, I don't want to go up and talk to her because I'm going to be called a rapist or something. And now, now you can't really pursue someone further than no. It's like, okay, cool. But then there's, oh, why'd you give up? And it's like, well, because I didn't want to go to jail. And he's conveying these sentiments of basically and he, he goes on to say he's more old fashioned and he likes the the chase and he likes the idea of a wooing a woman or I think it's like I think he likes the idea of being Carlito like kicking down that fucking door you know and grabbing a woman I think that's what's in his mind is romance and I think I understand what he's saying and I understand I guess the reaction to it of being like hey man this is kind of old fashioned thinking and you should I don't think you're a bad guy for thinking that, but, you know, maybe open up your mind to some more modern ways of thinking about how to approach women or how to deal with the dating scene. Because there is obviously a huge separation between flirtation and sending unasked for dick pics or whatever it is. You know, that's the I think that's the difference between being rapey and weird and getting accused of stuff and just being a flirt. What Cavill's saying isn't the worst thing ever, but what I wanted to bring it back to in terms of comments is I've heard all of these sentiments from him that he's talking about echoed throughout my workplace by not just men, but a lot of women. I've heard a lot of women who have looked at the political spectrum right now, this culture of being offended by everything and saying like, yeah, it's definitely not safe for men these days. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Like blah, 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 blah. They're looking at these stories of these celebrities. And I've heard it, if not more from women who have, completely mirrored the comments that Cavill has expressed. So I don't know, even though he is saying these old-fashioned ideas, I don't know that's really as out of step with mainstream, like, day-to-day America as maybe some people would like you to think it is. Yeah, I think um, I remember when the Cavill thing happened, and when you mentioned you wanted to discuss it today, so I I just Googled Henry Cavill to see what would come up first. And It took me a while to get to, you know, he apologizes after the Me Too backlash. Most of it was about Comic-Con shit. So it seems like, A, people are already have already moved on from the comments. He's not in any real hot water. Yeah, this um, is a small story compared to the Hardwick and yeah, the James Gunn thing. There, there was a lot of outrage over people basically saying, like, you know, Henry, if you can't distinguish between flirtation and chasing versus being accused of being a rapist, maybe you got to rethink how you flirt, which I think is a fair criticism. Um I, I understand where maybe where Cavill's coming from. He did not say it gracefully. Um, there's a lot of underlying victim blaming thoughts in the way he said it, you know, like, oh, I can't flirt with a girl without being accused of rape. That's implying that girls are going to lie about being accused of rape. 
and yeah, th- that exactly. is that is victim blaming and that's not okay i guess i just feel like it's really hard to talk about any serious topic anymore with any kind of nuance without it becoming you're the worst person ever or you're a male chauvinist pig or you're a nazi racist republic whoever just because you like some aspects of trump the left kind of is really quick to just demonize every like oh you must hate everyone who's not white you know it's like well no they're probably not all like that that's that's usually not the thought process that went into it like let's try and be more nuanced then maybe by doing that we can actually move forward well to be clear mike cernovich is a racist (laughs) no i'm not talking about him i'm talking about the general political yeah i don't give a fuck about him you know maybe we've lost some old-fashioned ways of flirting and the guy going after the girl some of that's lost but it's really not because if there's mutual interest People work that shit out all the time, every day, all over the world. You know, we we've still done it. Um, I'm still able to do it as a single guy. It's not really a problem. You just have to be a decent person. And you can tell if a guy or a girl is a decent person while you're talking to them. You can also tell when a girl is playing a little hard to get versus I'm not interested. And if you're unable to tell, that's where communication comes into play. And you just have to lay your cards out on the table and say, hey, look, I'm interested in you. Is this reciprocated? And if she says, no, I'm sorry, it's not, then you have to respect that. If you can't figure out kind of the in-between or the message under the message sort of thing. And I also think it's an important thing for women to understand that this old-fashioned mindset, it goes both ways. And I think what a lot of women realize now that maybe wasn't acceptable in 1950s America or was considered taboo is like they go after what they want to, you know, and that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> like the it idea, is. I think the, I, I just hope that what comes out of all of this is just the idea of open communication. Cause I don't know, man, I'm, th- I'm 32 years old. The idea of playing games and relationships to me is fucking silly and boring. Now I don't enjoy it. Um, oh yeah, it's awful. I'm so happy that I'm in a settled relationship that's beyond that. Yeah, shit. like if if a girl's playing hard to get just for the fun of it, I I'm just kind of out. But that's just me personally. I get that someone like Henry Cavill would enjoy that idea, but he also has to understand the difference between oh I'm kind of interested in just teasing you versus like Henry leave me the fuck alone. You know? Yeah, yeah. There is a difference, and if you can't spot that difference, then yes, you have a problem that you have to figure out. And that's not on the woman to figure out for you, you know? What if she tells me no and I stand outside of her room with a boombox? As long as you're at least 100 yards away per the um, restraining order, I think you're okay. Do I have to be playing in your eyes? It's probably smart. Yeah, it's the only way it makes sense, really. Yeah. You can't play Born in the USA. Unless you... <laughs> or fucking... Uh, what's that Bloodhound Gang song? You and me, uh, baby, 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 ain't nothing, nothing but, mammals. but mammals. Yeah, that's song. The Human Touch was that what that was called? It was a something like that. Touch it was a butt. title that like wasn't in the song. That's what I remember. I think you should play the Bum Bum song. Yeah, by Tom Green. Go back to MTV remember when that that 90s. reached number one at TRL. It was amazing. It was a huge moment. I thought like a cultural landscape had changed dramatically, and now we are where we are now. It's crazy for me to think about that Tom Green is a hugely influential kind of important figure in comedy, like modern comedy. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, it's just strange. Like when his show came out, no one knew what to make of it. And that's kind of what was great. And now you look at it now and it's obviously like in this whole family of awkward, uncomfortable comedy that's 
very much a part of our current landscape. And I was like, wow, Tom Green was kind of ahead on the curve on that one. It's strange that he had a guy people... named Phil who hung out in a window and would just laugh. Yeah. That's all he did. <laughs> it was fucking great. Yeah, I, I, I remember so much about that show. Anyway, I don't want to go on a Tom Green tangent. I just wanted to say, Henry Cavill, I cannot wait to see you next week in Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm going to keep being really excited for that movie till we see it. I love Mission Impossible. And that's what I wanted go. to say is all the, so all the, when I Googled him, all the stories that came up were him uh, in regards to Mission Impossible Fallout, in regards to his role as Superman in the DC universe. It, it took a while to find out any of that common yeah. stuff. So that story has come and gone. He'll be all right. I guess it is good to say, although, Again, Henry, if that's how women are reacting to the way you flirt, you got to figure your shit out. But it's also good to know that he's not losing his job over a comment like that because he should. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just you got shit to figure out, but you're not a human pariah who should be blacklisted from the world. You know? Yeah. He's Superman. Uh, You want to know. So he's probably a good guy. He's probably not too bad. But I want to talk about some some bad guys who got interviewed by Sasha Baron Cohen last week. The uh, the Republican, I, I, it's a mixture of, uh, you've watched the skit, I assume, right? Yes, I have. Okay, so the skit, let's talk about it. It came out last week, and we I just wanted to talk about it really briefly and just highlight it, because in this week of political stuff, this was one of the things that came out that kind of was, was like, man, everything's just pulling me back into the politics. And basically, it's a 10-minute segment on a show. It's available on YouTube for his new uh, Showtime show called Who is America? And... I think what happened is Borat blew up so much and that that he couldn't do that stuff anymore because he became too familiar. He couldn't do a Borat sequel because everyone knew who Borat was, so he couldn't do the shtick anymore. That's why I think Bruno actually suffers a little bit, and he said they had problems filming that because of the level of his celebrity. So what they've done here is I think he went underground for a while. That's why you haven't really seen him over the last decade or so. I think he did want to kind of have people forget about him a little bit, and he started applying a ton of makeup and a voice and he's doing a very strong character here. And basically he's doing a Israeli gun lover who has his own TV show. And he's going around using that as in, in as his guys to interview gun lobbyists, Senate Republican senators, representatives of Republicans and having them sit down and talk about, he's basically trying to encourage them to support a program that would arm four-year-olds or preschoolers in the schools. He's saying it's not enough for us to give guns to teachers. We need to give them to the four-year-olds and to the students. And he's trying to recruit as many of them as possible. And the number of ones that he gets to address the camera and say horrifying, horrifying things is alarming at the least. And just absolutely frightening what these men will do for money, what what values they're willing to sell out for a piece of entertainment and it's it's so revealing it's amazing what someone like i don't know who pick any leftist liberal person you know it's one thing for like a john oliver whoever to tear down someone with a news report it's another for someone to go in there and not accuse them of anything but to just sit there and be their friend and say the things that they think they want to hear and you hear so much more revealing shit. They reveal so much more of the monster inside of them when you re- when you see exactly how deep they're willing to go when they think no one's opposing them or that it's being encouraged. And it's a horrifying just kind of mindset about groupthink and how easily persuadable people are. And the fact that these are people in positions of power is especially horrifying. And it's supposed to be funny. And there are parts that made me chuckle. But for the most part, my jaw was just dropped in horror. And shame on these people who are in this video 
And shame on anyone that thinks arming a four-year-old is a good idea. That's my rant. That's a good rant. Um, for one thing, to just to get on the positive side, I'm so glad Sasha Baron Cohen is back doing this type of shit because the Ollie G show is one of the greatest shows of all time. It is so brilliant. Borat, the movie, is absolutely incredible. It still holds up. I don't care what uh, backlash it has received over the past decade, if any. He, it's amazing. Um, what Sasha Baron Cohen does so well is generate empathy with anybody. He's able to do it with absolutely anybody to get them to say and do these absolutely disgusting things. Um, he, he can get them comfortable. Yeah. I mean, not only did you watch the whole episode or just the gun segment? I just watched the segment. Yeah. So there's this, the show actually opens up. It's the premiere of who is America that we're talking about. And the first segment is Sasha dressed up as this, you know, Southern Republican, author um, interviewing Bernie Sanders and using convoluted math to try to get the rest of the 99% into the 1% so they wouldn't be poor anymore. And it doesn't have any striking political commentary other than Bernie is just flustered at him. And it's very funny. Uh, He also pretends to be a prison, a guy who is in prison for 21 years who wants to be an artist who goes to this very esteemed art gallery and sits down with this woman who runs the gallery and talks about how he uses his own feces and ejaculate to paint these like basically sketch figures and manipulates this woman into thinking it's this profound work of art. And at the end of that sketch sketch, he pulls out a a paintbrush that he said he's collecting pubes from great artists over the world to paint with and gets this woman to go into her back room and clip oh. off a piece of her pube to give to him on the paintbrush. Jesus. It's it amazing is, what people will do. It's amazing what people will do. So this all leads into the finale segment, which is him as this Israeli soldier and his plan for what he calls kindergartians, which is an amazing name. He uses so many brilliant tactics like saying, I want to arm children from 16 all the way up to four years old, as opposed to the reverse number. And these Republican congressmen and former congressmen parrot that line. They say, we're going to arm kids from 16 all the way to four, meaning that they are such shills. I'm trying to uh, scroll through my Twitter feed. So there's a former congressman named Joe Walsh who's very prevalent on Twitter. A lot of people consider him kind of uh, straddling the moderate side of Republicanism. Uh, Actually, this past week with the nonsense that went on in Helsinki, he has officially declared himself a never Trumper um, and said, like, I can never uh, I can never support anything this president does anymore. He's officially a traitor. So whatever. Good on you, Joe Walsh. But he's also in this sketch talking about arming kindergartners, kindergartians and talking about that they're going to be little grenaders and happy hunting and all this shit. And then when the episode comes out the next morning, he posts a tweet and says, what can I say? Sasha got me. Do I think kindergartners should be armed? Hell no. But, you know, he manipulated me. And it's like, well, no, not he manipulated you. You were bought. This is Yeah, not, you got caught, motherfucker. You, you got caught fucking red-handed, dude. You said these things. Whether or not you truly meant them in the moment, you agreed to say them on camera, supposedly to be played at schools for teachers and kids to hear. This is not like, oh, oh, shucks, you know, this master comedian figured out like a way to dupe me. 
yes, he figured out a way to dupe you, but you had to be willing to do that yourself. And that's what Sasha has been so good at, you know, for two decades since the Holly G show. And it's just so fucking horrifying to know that people in power like this are so easily bought by a guy they never knew, you know, before yeah. they get this little letter of like, hey, we want to give you an award as a friend of Israel. Come to Washington, D.C. and I'll interview you. Then they meet this fucking dude who says we want to arm three-year-olds, but not two-year-olds because you've heard of the terrible twos. And the guy's nodding and saying like, yeah, that's true. They oh, call yeah. Them he's twos. like laughing about it. He's like, of course, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And he's laughing about how it's not rape if it's your own wife. And the yeah. guy says, oh, let's not let's not add that. But he's cracking up like Sasha Baron Cohen is able to penetrate the evil satanic core of these people. And it's I mean, it's hard because it is so funny. It is so, so funny. But it's also shocking. And I'm amazed not more has been said, especially to the current politicians still in power. I mean, Joe Walsh, at least at this point, is just a fucking Twitter commentator loser. But there are people who are still in Congress who went on camera and supported arming five-year-olds, you know? Yeah. It's just insane. It's crazy. I mean, I'm so glad that his voice is back because I need to hear, I need to be outraged in this way, you know, where like a guy is just so brilliant at his craft that he's able to expose people like this. But then I'm conflicted because at the same time, he plays this super liberal guy in another sketch with an NPR shirt on. And he goes to speak to, I forget the state, maybe Arkansas. I'm not sure. Apologies. But he goes to the house of this husband and wife who uh, basically run the state Republican campaign, whatever. Uh, like the, the wife was there to voice her consent for the state's nomination of Donald Trump in the Republican primary, right? And he goes on and on with all this nonsense that's funny but it's just, you know, pure liberal outrage talking points that Republicans use amongst each other, you know, to rile themselves up. Yeah. Uh, talking about, like, how his wife is in love with a dolphin, you know, how he's learned to deal with that, or that, uh, you know, they don't want their kids growing up with any gender stereotypes. So he makes his son pee standing down, and he makes his daughter pee standing up, and they video camera him videotape them in the bathroom to make sure they're complying. And it's all supported by the Clinton foundation. And you just see this outrage from these Republican, this Republican couple, which is, it is funny, but it's also like, why are you giving these guys more ammunition? Because they're not going to follow up and realize that they were duped or anything like that. Like this is just going to pass now and it's going to carry to certain mouth breathers who are going to believe this shit as if it's real, you know, just like the people who are going to believe the Patton Oswalt tweets that were, an actual thought experiment that he did six years ago. And there are going to be now thousands of people in the country who are convinced that Patton Oswalt is pro pedophile and there's nothing you can do to change him now. Like they have been marked and it's over. So I am a little worried if he does more shit like that, where he's not actually getting these people to back themselves into a corner by their own willingness to be shills, but really just like perpetuating fake news as absurd as it is. We're just in a time now where it's it's fucking dangerous to do any of that, I think. So I'm curious where the rest of the show will go, but he's a brilliant dude. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of good. I'm go I, I'm I'm ready to call it a short episode. We're, we've been trying. We keep talking about doing short episodes, but I think maybe if we end it, we start wrapping up now, we will have finally succeeded. Well, I'll say one more thing uh, since we're doing a bit of a political episode. Um, sure. We just I saw. See. Go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, I still wanted to throw a few more things out there. Not the, not the total end, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, the Trump's Putin summit in Helsinki just happened this past week. And I don't know, man, if you, if you consider yourself an American and you still support Donald Trump, I don't know what to tell you anymore. He's clearly compromised by Vladimir Putin. He went on foreign soil and promoted Putin over America's intelligence agencies and the FBI. And that's, it's not even, it's not hyperbole anymore to call that traitorous behavior. That just is what it is. It was There's very, a clip of his depressing. national security. There's a clip of his national security advisor being interviewed by Andrea Mitchell from NBC News. And he's up there taking questions. And she says, hey, breaking news. Uh, this is just being released by the White House. Vladimir Putin has been invited to the White House to have a conversation. And the guy just laughs. This, I forget his name. I, I'm sorry. I'm blanking. I just heard this earlier today on one of my podcasts. But he just laughs. He's like, oh, say, say, come again? And he, she's like, the White House is reporting that Vladimir Putin is coming. And he just starts laughing. He's like, okay, okay. And this is someone who is working and representing the White House who is doing this. He's just kind of like, I can't believe that. Yeah. Like, like, this is so far away from any political norm. And I know that there's an attitude about Trump that people believe, well, you know, it's good. That's what we sent him there to do is to do things differently and shake things up. But at the same time, this there's so many factors going into this that are questionable, that are suspicious, especially in relation to how this is, you know, his relationship with Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin compared to his relationship with, you know, Canada and Mexico and Angela Merkel from Germany and the UK. Like, he, I understand that you want him to have a different approach to world affairs, but I don't, I can't believe that the approach would be, you know, we should piss off every single ally we have, befriend every enemy we've ever had, and start trade wars and start immigration wars and start, uh, you know, fucking with credits and, having tax cuts that we can't pay for. It's just, I don't know. It's a bad time. It's a bad year. But it's one of those crazy things where politically things are getting nuts, but it's actually been an amazing year for, you know, art and cinema and music. There's been so many good movies this year, actually. I was really thinking about that after I saw the movie I saw today. I was like, man, this has been a stacked year. I'm really happy with my top 10. Yeah. Uh, I, the, th- the thing with that's Trump, That's just though, a total is, side thing. Yeah, yeah. Trump, yeah. Um, it's just upsetting because it is no longer a question if Putin attacked our systems to help Trump get elected. That is now fact. Whether or not Trump had direct involvement with that is still up for debate. I will say that. But it is no longer up for debate that Russia hacked the U.S. election in 2016 with the aim of helping Trump win. That is something that happened. Trump's own appointees have confirmed that the Republican Intelligence Committee in Congress has confirmed that everyone has confirmed that. And Trump tweets out today, Sunday, July 22nd, calling it a hoax again after the whole I meant to say wouldn't not would bullshit response, which was actually just fucking hilarious. And then the next day he comes back and just says, yeah, I have no reason not to believe Putin. And then today he says, Obama's known about this. Why didn't he do anything? Oh, it's because it's a hoax. And it's. Obama was weak on this, so I'm going to do nothing about it and somehow be stronger. He's not even saying Obama was weak on this. He's saying Obama didn't do anything because nothing happened. He said that today. Yeah. And And we have it. it, 
it is no, it is not up for debate. We have a compromised president and I can't, I can't, I can't believe that this shit is going on. And, um, you just see all these stories about, uh, these awful hate crimes being perpetrated, not even physically, but just verbally people being caught on camera, yelling at immigrants saying that ice is coming for them. We haven't even discussed the fucking Michael Cohen tape. Well, the Michael Cohen tape, hopefully something comes to that. But again, that's like, if it's a campaign violation, good. I want to know about that. And hopefully that helps nail Trump, you know, in a gaudy style way. But also that's him paying off a porn star besides the hypocrisy of the evangelicals who are all on Trump's side. I don't really care if he was fucking porn stars. Like I care if he was breaking the law. Sure. Cause he's the president, but they also have put kids in cages and separated families. And if anyone listening to this screams, don't buy that fake news bullshit. It's not fake news. I'm sorry. Reporters have gone there and seen it. They still haven't reunited thousands of fucking kids and all this shit's happening in our country with a president who is basically a foreign operative at this point. And it's just insane the country we live in right now. And that's since we're since this is a political episode, I wanted to end on that happy note. That I, I see my hesitation. I I think calling him a foreign operative or some kind of Manchurian candidate esque illusions. I don't know that that's where my heart lies with the whole thing. I don't actually think I'd be I mean, I'm not ru- ruling it out or dismissing those accusations, but it's more I need to be shown proof of that before I can make that giant leap of he was I, I think he uh, tried to or was open to colluding with them. I think that's a problem in and of itself. The fact that they didn't know I, that, I, that was a I problem. I mean it in the sense and, that he knows what happened and he refuses to a not only do anything about it, but to even acknowledge it even say that it happened because they're trying to do it again in this upcoming election in November. Russia is actively trying to do it again. All of our intelligence agencies are saying that, and he's not doing anything about it. And I think that's what makes him compromised. All right, guys, uh, Phil's a fucking moron and broke his thing. So I'm just going to wrap it up. We were done with the political stuff anyway. Uh, I can hear Phil right now, so we're going to move to the wrap-up recommendations part. Um, if you want to see an amputee fight, go see Skyscraper. Phil and I have also seen Sorry to Bother You. I know that's a recommendation from both of us. We'll probably talk about it more at a later date. It uh, it would tie into this episode a little bit, but it's more of a comedy, so I think we can save it for a lighter episode. Phil, is there anything else you want to recommend that I can pass along? So Phil recommends the podcast, The Wilderness, uh, which he has recommended to me. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I know it's it's heavily about um, basically what the Democrats need to do coming up in the future to basically combat Trump, um, gain some power back in big government. And um, yeah, it's supposedly pretty good. It's just called The Wilderness, Phil. Is that right? Oh, it's from John Favreau, that fucking guy. All right, calm down because no one can hear you. <laughs> so it's from it's a podcast called The Wilderness from John Favreau, who I know is a former Obama speechwriter. Uh, Phil says that it is an entire referendum on the Democratic Party, a little bit of the history of the party, and what they need to do going forward, um, which is basically Phil's bread and butter. So he recommends that I am going to recommend reading 
books about filmmaking and film theory. I've been on a little kick recently reading a bunch of those. I'm currently reading one called Sacred Terror, which is all about horror and religion and the intersection of those two in horror cinema. Um, I highly recommend that one. There's another good book. Uh, there's a great author actually called Alexandra West. She wrote two great books. One's about the new French extremity, French horror in the 2000s. And the other one, which I love and anyone who's our age would really find enjoyment out of is the 1990s teen horror cycle, which is all about how Scream birthed this, uh, this wave of teen horror movies, you know, kind of like the modernized slasher, self-aware slasher films. Like I know what you did last summer and urban legend and cherry falls and the faculty. So I would recommend cherry falls is great. Phil just said cherry falls. It's a great movie, man. People need to, it went straight to DVD. It never got a theatrical release. Unfortunately, I forget exactly what happened, but very underrated slasher from, I believe the year 2000. So I'd recommend uh, if you're a movie fan, read some books about movies because it's, uh, it's interesting and it gives you a lot of insight into the culture of the moment, especially when you uh, read about horror movies, because they really coincide with uh, the times, the moment that's that where things are happening, you know, horrors historically tend to do very well in times of unrest, like the great depression leading to the universal monster movies and post-world war two leading to all of these monster sci-fi and horror films like them and Godzilla, um, 1968 unrest, you know, with night of the living dead, Dawn of the dead's all about consumerism. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Yes, Phil was smartly saying we have movies like Get Out, Sorry to Bother You, shows like Atlanta that are huge commentaries on race and especially, uh, in my opinion, classism and kind of what a lot of people are calling late stage capitalism, this extreme rise of extreme wealth and poverty on the other end that is a reaction to the Obama administration. And I think that's a very astute point, Phil. I can't wait to read books in a couple years about the rise of... Um, black cinema and entertainment and especially what people like Jordan Peele and Donald Glover and Lakeith Sanfield now Boots Riley are doing. So read those books, listen to that podcast. I'm going to sign off now uh, since Phil can't do anything about this. And if Phil, if you cut this out, I swear to God, I'm going to murder you. But I just want to say that uh, Phil, I love you. He just said, I love you too, buddy. There's no problem saying that. I was also going to say that he's a Trump supporter. And that's it for this episode. You can find Phil on Twitter and Instagram at P. Wiedenheft, uh, the last name spelling you can find in the podcast. Find me on Instagram at Bindi, Tom Bindi, B-I-N-D-I, Tom Bindi. And that's it. We're going to be back next week. We have a couple fun episodes lined up. Uh, maybe we talk. leave comments on our YouTube page. Thanks to Zach Pitts for the theme music. Zach, you're a, a mensch. You're a true great, one of the good ones. I hope you don't have any uh, bad tweets in your past. And uh, we're going to be back soon, hopefully uh, with something a little more lighthearted. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you're not, uh, go fuck yourself. That's it, everybody. Love you all. Hug each other. Bye.